Welcome to the Doing Things Media Slow Your Scroll podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stanton, the head of marketing at Doing Things Media. Doing Things is the largest digital media company specifically focused on memes and internet culture. We specialize in creating content that drives high engagement and is reflective of trending themes in internet culture. We own and operate 20 channels, including Shithead Steve, Middle Class Fancy, No Chaser, the show All Gas No Breaks, and several others you've probably seen in the group chats you are in with your friends. Our content is rooted in humor and designed to brighten your days. Throughout the Slow Your Scroll podcast, myself, members of the Doing Things team, and guests will be analyzing trending topics, discussing the future of marketing, and talking about content that makes you slow your scroll on your feeds. We hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Slow Your Scroll podcast powered by Doing Things Media. Uh, we're really fortunate to, uh, today to be here with Max Levine, who's the COO of Amp Studios, one of the fastest growing um, creator community studios in Los Angeles and, you know, for the most part, the U.S. in general. So, Max, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Awesome, Matt. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, for sure, man. So I guess we'll just dive into the kind of the questions and the topics of conversation. Um, you're an expert of all things engaging uh, kind of creators and really understand everything pertaining to Gen Z content consumption habits. But first and foremost, I want to ask you uh, how you got into working with creators. Yeah, um, so I got into it kind of by accident. Um, that's kind of like a similar theme with a lot of people in this space because it didn't really exist um when we were growing up so um yeah i i'm from new jersey originally i went to school at Rutgers. um at Rutgers, i started working at a marketing agency in new york city and we did brand partnerships for jimmy kimmel live manny pacquiao reddit.com and uh that was really the main focus of the agency and around that time i was just on instagram i think i was studying for a final exam in college and I came across like, I guess these influencers before that's what they were termed. And they weren't necessarily YouTubers. They're just people on Instagram who built a following. And I thought it was interesting. So I started reaching out to a bunch of them. And a lot of the feedback I was getting was they weren't really making any money or making like $50 to promote some random company. So as I started talking to more and more people, I started honing in on one content creator. Um, his name was Brent Rivera. And at the time, he had a few hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Um, around November, we decided to formalize the relationship. This was November of 2013. Um, and I started managing him. And then he took off on the app Vine. Um, and then when it was all said and done with him on Vine, he had 8 million followers. So he's a top 10 Vine creator. And that's when I think one of the first ways of influence marketing took off. Um, instead of building out a management company, um, I wanted to own a piece of IP that was scalable. So. A problem that we realized was a lot of these creators were building these massive audiences and, you know, hundreds and thousands of people were trying to get their attention via comments, DMs, whatever it may be. And we built uh, a company called Shimmer, which was, the intent was to kind of solve this two-way interaction problem um, and make it easier for these influencers or content creators to interact with their fans and vice versa. So built that company out to a team of 12, raised a few million dollars, went through Techstars, um, and I think in 2017, I decided to step away from that company to really build a creator-centric uh, business. And around that time, Brent and I started talking and he wanted to start growing up and becoming content creators. So, 
yeah, we brought on, um, you know, a few creators. One of them, for instance, at 80,000 on Instagram. Now, you know, two and a half, three years later, he has 5 million on Instagram, 10 million on TikTok and 4 million on YouTube. And since then, Brent's growth has actually went from 20 million to 70 million. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much the start of where I'm at today. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a long ride and quick ride. It's only been seven years, but it kind of feels like longer, but that's how I kind of got into what I'm doing. It's amazing. Um, I, I'm looking at right now, Brent has 19.9 million followers. And then you said you started getting involved when he only had a couple, couple thousand, couple hundred thousand followers, you know, from your perspective, um, what, what are, like, what are some of like the best tactics for, you know, creators to take in order to grow their, you know, their follower count and, you know, take their platform to the next level, like as you did with Brent and the other creators within, yeah. uh, within your portfolio? Yeah. So I guess when I first started out with this, like, honestly, like Brent is a unicorn. So like, you can't like expect people to like replicate his success because like 99% of the time that they won't. So Honestly, it was kind of like right timing and working with the right person. Um, but I, I think what I've learned throughout this process in the last two and a half years specifically, like a lot of it is just like understanding these platforms and the algorithms. And initially for us, it was definitely Instagram um, and how to hit like explore and how to accelerate growth. And then it was YouTube um, and then it was TikTok. So I think it's just like really understanding these platforms and what will drive content that can get really good engagement because like a lot of these creators that are really good they're analytical and they always adapt with where the platform's going because algorithms change user behavior changes all that so i think it's just like the best traits are being adaptive and also surrounding yourself with really good people who really push your boundaries and again it's really hard to get into that initially i just think it's you kind of really have to learn about how these platforms work and it's not just like with our group it's like mr beast for instance it's like he studied the youtube algorithm probably for years. And that's why he is so good because he understands what works and why it will work. Exactly. And Max, I've known, I've known you for several years at this point now, and I know um, kind of like collective houses have been like a big portion to the strategy that you guys have had. Ha have you seen a lot of success with that network effect amongst creators, kind of creators, not just working in silos, but working together mm -hmm. in order to elevate each individual's platform? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think kind of how we look about it is it's like you kind of want to create like a universe. Um, and that's really what it's like legacy media companies have done in the past, whether it's Disney or Marvel. Um, so you want to create like a universe where your content lives in and you have different characters in those in, in that universe. And those characters have different storylines and character arcs that kind of keep people intrigued and watching their content and kind of hopping from channel to channel or content to content and just seeing what is happening. Um, obviously there's a few different ways to do it, but, um, I guess for us, like we've learned that when we kind of had these characters in this universe of content, that's when the growth really took off. Yep. That's great. And then you mentioned being adaptable from platform to platform, going from Vine, you know, to Instagram, you know, Facebook, you know, TikTok obviously has emerged tremendously over the last, you know, 14, to, 14 to 16 months. Um, how do you best guide uh, creators towards moving towards new platforms? Does it have to be organic? Do you kind of push them to go to new platforms? You know, right now, in addition to TikTok, you know, there's a lot of other platforms like Byte and Like, and even Dub Smash I'm hearing is coming back. Are you trying to mm -hmm. guide them to diversify their, 
their their kind of preferred platforms? Yeah, um, obviously, like you mentioned, diversity is so important because if you don't diversify, you kind of like live and die by like these platforms, right? Um, but yeah, I think a lot of times Brent is very hands-on with that um, in terms of kind of guiding the creators in terms of how to invest or how much to invest in what platform. Um, but also too, we want to be early adapters, but we also want to be cognizant of time. So like there's so many different, like there's thousands of platforms out there and you can really only hone in on several, right? Um, so we just want to be careful about what we spend our time on. Um, but also too, um, maybe a platform like Snap that maybe isn't as hot as TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. But for us, like I've been personally making an effort for everyone to kind of invest more actively on that just because I feel like it's just kind of overlooked and there's a lot of opportunity there. But yeah, mainly it's just like kind of focusing on the core. And if something does pop off and it's going to be around for a while, then we kind of want to build a presence on there. Good stuff. What types of content do you think is most appealing to Gen Z audiences? Yeah, I guess in terms of like, is it a specific platform or just more so general? Yeah, just in just in general, like what is the type yeah. of uh, like I'll give you an, give you an analogy. I've noticed a lot of pop music songs have like decreased in the length over the last several years just because yeah. I think you know, with like the time spent with so much content, you know, you got to capture that attention really, really quickly with the hooks. So mm. have you seen a similar trend within, you know, creator content as well too? Um, yeah. Like across the board with the types of stuff that captures the attention of Gen Z audiences. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think TikTok has really changed the game a lot because kind of between Vine to TikTok, there was kind of like an opening in terms of that short form video platform and you know musically was there for a bit but i guess it wasn't cool for people who are like not kids or early teens but i think it's really popularized or kind of brought back that really fun short form video content especially with like fun sounds or you know you know music behind it but on youtube kind of like mr beast really created a new wave of content where it's like these 24-hour challenges or these like dares where you can like win like large sums of money like a hundred thousand dollars and i feel like him and david dobrik with like their really quick vlog type content have really changed youtube so i think everything kind of like you mentioned it's getting shorter quicker to the point and more entertaining and like less time for like what's actually happening for these like three seconds like every every second has impact and that's yep. how you keep people retained when new features come out on platforms, do you kind of advise your creators to, you know, jump on those new features really, really quickly? Or how does that, how do you guide them through that, that process? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I, I think it really depends, honestly. Like YouTube, for instance, they roll out a lot of features, um, but not all of them, you know, take off immediately. Um, and, and also too, with like platforms like Instagram, like with IGTV, um, and sometimes these platforms have to like really incentivize creators to get on board. So I think for us, like unless it's like a staple of the platform or there's ways to like really, really grow or really, really make a lot of money, I think we kind of take the wait and see approach. And, you know, for us, we just want to focus on like what will really, really work versus spending time on something that might not work. It makes sense. Tell me more about Amp Studios. Uh, I'd love to learn more about kind of the portfolio, how you guys have grown the company over the past um I've been there for about two years. Fair call, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Um, but would love to learn more about kind of how you are, how you guys are providing a platform for creators and helping them grow their businesses. 
Yeah. So like I kind of mentioned earlier, when we started this around two and a half years ago or so, we brought on three creators and, um, you know, we achieved a lot of success in growing them. And we just brought on more and more over time. And now we have around 10 creators. And I think what we've learned is like <laughs> these creators grow at just like crazy rates. And it's gotten to a point where maybe initially when we brought on the first person, it would maybe take them, you know, like several months to get to a hundred or 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. And now like the latest one we brought on, he hit a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers in one video. So I think the network effect, it's at its highest point so far. And our, the growth is kind of off the charts. And I think now we're trying to harness, like, how do we build uh, a brand around it? Right. And I, I think there's a lot of other creator collectives and a lot of them are very like house based or maybe esports based. I think we see like a very open lane where it's like, what is the Disney or, or what is the Nickelodeon for the digital generation where it's like high quality creators, really high quality, like long form YouTube content um, and really creating like a brand or like a content ecosystem that, you know, is built around it versus just like a physical location or house type property. And I think that's really what we're focusing on where it's like, we want to build out this content company that is known for its, personalities but also we can kind of get into other forms of content we can produce shows we can start building characters whether it be like a superhero or like a princess character from scratch um so i think that's really where we're going and i think i think the term personality driven media company is is what's going to define it um yep. moving forward but i think that's really the direction that we're honing in on that's great uh, when brands are considering to appeal to Gen Z or even work with Gen Z creators, like what is like really important for them to consider? Um, should they like when they're trying to appeal? I'll rephrase the question: When they're trying to appeal to Gen Z audiences, what mm -hmm. should brands consider? Yeah, I, I think as you know, Matt, like a lot of times, like brands, especially like in the past, when like the first wave of influencer marketing, it's like, it was really based on like, hey, here's our pre-big creative or concept. We wanna hire the creator to be the, to make the content and distribute it out. And I think that it works, but it's also kind of brandy and it's kind of serving the brand more so than serving the audience. And I feel like what we're trying to do is like, how do we make really good content that's maybe fueled by brands or maybe powered by brands financially? Um, and it's just like, making the best content possible. And I think TikTok, they have a mantra for it's like, make TikToks, don't make ads. I yep. may butcher that, but I think that's what it is. Um, and I think that's just really re reflective of just where the brand and space is going. And I feel like the more creative freedom you give to these creators, I think the better the outcome will be. Yep, that makes sense. You mentioned personality driven media companies. Um, do you think that's going to be a rising trend within uh, within media companies moving forward? I know a lot of media companies are beginning to evolve and kind of you know adapt to this new world. Do you see mm -hmm. there? Do you see a trend within media of being a rise of kind of similar to Amp Studios, these personality focused companies? Yeah, honestly, I think it's a future because everything's changed so much, and you know. Obviously, when we were growing up, we would watch like television and go to movies and, you know, kids are just watching TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and that content is fueled by these personalities. So I think the personalities are becoming the next generation media companies. And yeah, like I think Barstool, for instance, um, is doing an amazing job at it. They were probably one of the first ones to really capitalize on it. Um, Night Media, they're kind of setting up an infrastructure for 
these personalities to scale and become media companies. And they manage Mr. Beast and uh, Preston and a bunch of other creators. And, you know, there's a company like us and, you know, we're really building the personalities, but we're also building the brand around it. But yeah, I honestly think it's the future. And there are other companies like building IP around the space, but they kind of have to hire talent. And I just feel like the talent has optionality and it's kind of not really worth it for them to do it over time. They're going to have tr trouble retaining the talent to do it. So I think, again, it really comes down to proper infrastructure. Cause like we mentioned, like there's all these houses and there's been some of these like creator collectors before, but a lot of them aren't sustainable because they don't have proper infrastructure. But if you can build proper infrastructure, then I feel like you can do this at, at like an incredible way. Yep. Makes sense. Why do you think uh, teenagers now have more pull than in years past? You know, we're seeing so much, so much news of people kind of galvanizing around, you know, causes, especially within Gen Z and younger generations, even then Gen Z. Um, why do you think, you know, there's so much power within the hands of the this type of demographic? Yeah, so kind of like we're, or I was mentioning in the last question. So when we're growing up, like we would tune into Disney, like Nickelodeon, MTV. That was where we got like our media pop culture content. And for instance, like if MTV dropped a music video, that would drive culture, right? And now these media companies have kind of lost their power because they don't have the audience that they used to. And now it's just like on TikTok, like teenagers or kids, they're creating content, they're creating trends. And they don't have to go through an intermediary like a Nickelodeon or like an MTV to make a trend happen or make something relevant. So like all these trends that are happening are starting from like kids themselves versus things that are being fed down to kids. And it's pretty much reverse engineering the entire process. For sure. For sure. It's, it, it's pretty crazy to see how impact, how kind of powerful kind of certain themes are and how, you know, younger generations can get behind them so quickly within platforms such as TikTok and Instagram. So it's, been definitely interesting to see over the past uh, couple couple months that unfold in real time across the world. Um, what about the power of content creators? Um, you know, when we look back to like the '90s and early 2000s when we grew up, um, you know, it was the big A-list superstars. You know, the Will Smiths of the world, who's obviously still a very iconic figure. But um, do you do you see like the next level of A-list stars? You know, originating from social media. You know, Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Rae, um, Chase Hudson. You know, a lot of those big prominent TikTok names. Even I would throw Brent in the mix as well too. He's incredibly popular within Gen Z. Do you do you think you know in the next decade? You know, the Will Smiths, Tom Cruises, um, you know, Jennifer Anderson's of the world will not be from TV or film, but they'll be from social media. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think so. And, you know, obviously the Jennifer Addison, the Will Smiths um, are going to be, you know, maybe like Tom Cruise, for instance, like they're movie stars and for older people, like they're very, very famous. But like you mentioned, for young people, like they consume their content on TikTok, Instagram and YouTube. So, yeah, like those, the next iteration of talent are coming from these platforms. But also what's interesting, I really believe they're more than talent. And I think their media companies kind of like, I'm, or we were discussing earlier, um, the whole thing is like, can they last, right? Because if you can last as long as Tom Cruise, that's obviously fantastic. But I think they potentially have more power than just like maybe a traditional celebrity would back in the day because they have their own businesses. Like they're not reliant on 
being on, you know, television or film to have access to audience. Like they own their own audience. So I think it comes with more perks and they're less relying on other parties because of that. But again, it really comes down to sustainability um, because fame is very fleeting in this industry for better or for worse. Exactly. Exactly. What's your best advice for creators on how they can be sustainable and avoid burnout? I think that definitely, you know, impacts the creator community and it could be discouraging for them at times. Um, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you give creators and that community in general? Yeah, um, it really depends on the creator and their circumstances. Um, I, I really think something we've learned is just like being around other creators is just so important because that's where you kind of have inspiration for other ideas and it kind of just makes it more fun and more natural versus like, oh crap, like what video do I need to film you know, today if I'm doing it in my bedroom by myself or something? And also to um, just like proper infrastructure and keeping to a schedule. And uh, like a lot of these creators, like for instance, like they do everything on their own. Like they're doing the editing, they're doing the ideation, um, they're obviously the talent and the content. But if you can build a mini production team around you, um, whether you have a videographer, you have an editor, you have someone who helps with creative, um, it just takes a lot of the pressure off your plate. So it's not as taxing. Um, and for us, that's what we really recommend as well, because we don't want this to be a burden for anyone. And we just want proper infrastructure so they can last. So I think like a few of those things um, are definitely helpful. But again, it's just like, obviously, you need to get to a point where you can set up that infrastructure, which is probably the hardest part. But once you do that, again, it, it's really just hard to do it on your own, because it's, it's definitely a grind. Nice. Definitely good advice for the creator community. Okay, just cha changing kind of the theme of the conversation a little bit to more kind of focus on the theme of this podcast. Uh, the podcast is called Slow Your Scroll. So like Max, like what is like an example of a piece of content that you've seen recently that sparked your attention, you know, put you on the spot right here, but uh, that made you slow your scroll? Like was it a trending meme theme, anything in general that you saw that was just, that made you laugh or just caught your attention? Hmm. I definitely love good meme pages, which is what you guys are <laughs> awesome you. at. It's funny, like, I didn't even realize that I followed, like, all your meme accounts until I went on the website. I'm like, oh, like, I literally follow all of them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess besides that, um, definitely a good question. I think something that's been interesting is what Mr. Beast did with, like, keeping your finger on the app challenge. I think that's just, like, so cool and so creative, and yep. it's outside of the box, and I thought that was that was pretty awesome um but yeah that's just kind of like i guess my thoughts but again there's just like so much content out there and it's just really hard to break through and i feel like historically like that's what he's so good at exactly if you would give a brand one piece of advice you know as an expert in the creator world um that would allow a brand to break through what would be that piece of advice yeah i, I think an interesting concept is to have like bring talented content creators i don't say in-house but have them like as consultants for your company and even have them maybe like take over your channel and just kind of be your in-house uh i don't say ambassadors but uh consultants because i feel like a lot of times these companies they have people who are i don't say disconnected but you know they're they're definitely like maybe a bit older and it's they kind of look at things from 
an advertising or marketing perspective versus a content creation perspective. And I think a really smart idea would be for these companies to kind of bring on some of these creators in-house or as consultants or advisors to really help them, I guess, go to the next level. Makes sense. Sounds great. Well, Max, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with the podcast today, speak with me. Uh, Really, really appreciate it. Um, Again, this is Max Levine. He's the COO of Amp Studios. They're doing really great things in the Los Angeles market. And they are uh, one of the best companies to help uh, emerging creators kind of grow their platform. You know, they've proven it over and over again with talent like Brent Rivera and other prominent names. Thanks again, Max, for being here. Amazing. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you.